Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. So I'm here with Caitlin Raymond. She is a physical therapist at Stat Wellness, and she really specializes in pelvic floor dysfunction. And this is something that I feel like is gaining a little bit more publicity. I'm hearing more people talk about it, but I feel like there's still a lot of like, what is the pelvic floor? What are symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction? How can we like evaluate ourselves to see if maybe we're candidates for pelvic floor physical therapy? So why don't we start by talking about like, Caitlin, well, first of all, welcome. (laughs) So, and then tell me, what are some of the symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction? Yes. So thanks for having me. I feel like with social media, pelvic floor is becoming more well-known. There's like a ton of TikToks and stuff. Um, But yeah, like you said, a lot of people don't know about the pelvic floor still. I feel like before we even talk about symptoms, it's kind of important to talk about the function of it because the pelvic floor is involved in a lot of things that people wouldn't think of when they think of muscles. Um, Our pelvic floor sits at the base of our pelvis, just like it sounds, and it's made up of three layers of muscles. And their five S's are what their function is. It's support. It supports our internal organs. Um, it's stability helps stabilize our pelvis and our spine when we're walking, exercising, doing all sorts of things. It's really important in the core, um, sphincteric, it keeps, keeps us continent. We do not want to pee and poop our pants. Um, that's not fun. <laughs> um, it is for, uh, also sump pump, which means it basically helps the fluid get out of your pelvis and back to your heart. And then finally sexual, it is really important in sexual pleasure and really sexual function. So, um, those are a lot of the ones that people don't know about. They think only leaking urine or mm-hmm. having babies. Mm-hmm. I never thought about the circulation. I haven't yeah. even, I haven't heard of that. So you just taught me something. And does this pelvic floor it's, we're talking about males and females have the pelvic floor. Yes. A lot of times people don't know this, but yes, men and women have pelvic floors and both men and women can have pelvic floor dysfunction in most people, especially with the males, it is going to be in higher level athletes. They will show more. Um, the prevalence in women who are athletes is uh, almost 80% will have some kind of pelvic floor dysfunction. So it's really important. A, it can increase your performance, just knowing more about your pelvic floor, but both men and women can benefit from seeing a pelvic floor therapist. Gosh. And so what are some of the symptoms? Like what, and kind of talk about some that are true for both genders and then maybe some for just men and some for just women. So let's talk about bladder first, because not everyone's taught what normal is with for bladder function. They think, oh, I've gone to the bathroom a lot. That's just how I am. Um, That's not really the case. Our bladder should be able to hold a certain amount of urine and we should be able to hold it for two to four hours. Um, Bladder irritants will play a role, but people who are going to the bathroom more often than two hours, like once every 30 minutes, once an hour, that is pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, A lot of times it's because our pelvic floor is too tight and that's going to be in men and women. Also, any kind of leakage. If you're leaking uh, urine, if you're leaking stool and if you're leaking gas. So even if you can't control gas coming out, that is pelvic floor dysfunction. We should be able to control all three of those things. Also with, um, 
bladder if you're having urgency. So maybe you can hold it, but as soon as you have the urge, you feel like you have to run to the bathroom. If you have to run to the bathroom and you A, think you're going to leak or are afraid you're going to leak, that's also pelvic floor dysfunction. So all genders can have that with bowel. So a lot of times that's going to be with gut dysfunction. So that's a lot of stuff that you talk about, um, on the podcast, but if you've done everything for your gut and you're still having a hard time evacuating, a lot of times people have paradoxical contractions of our pelvic floor. So we contract it when we really should be relaxing it to evacuate stool. So that's something pelvic floor can really help with. So constipation and then sexual function. Um, this is more for men and women. So difficulty orgasming, um, for men, if you can't, um, get erect, or if you have pain, or if you have early ejaculation, those are all things for males specifically that pelvic floor can help with. And there's even other things too. Like sometimes people will talk about how they have like a diminished sensation and they don't really feel like a lot of pleasure. That's a lot of times because our pelvic floor muscles are weak. So when we, hopefully we're allowed to talk about this, but when we have an orgasm, it's actually rapid firing of the pelvic floor muscles. And so if you're not strong in your muscles, then it's going to be harder for you to achieve that. Mm. Yeah, we're definitely allowed to talk about that on okay, here. Okay, great. <laughs> and I didn't realize that either. And, you know, I think one of the cool things about stat wellness is that we really take a holistic approach because, like, as you're talking, I'm thinking about some of the things that we look at too, like making sure with some of the bladder symptoms, it's not like interstitial cystitis or inflammation in the bladder or like erectile dysfunction can be the first sign of heart disease and circulatory issues. And so it's really cool, like a place like Stat Wellness, obviously I'm a little biased, but that we have, we do labs and we get thorough histories and we refer to pelvic floor physical therapy because I feel like in life, it's never just one thing. It's not just your pelvic floor. And one thing we haven't talked about yet, and Caitlin and I talk about this a lot, is the connection between anxiety and pelvic floor dysfunction. That's a big connection I see with my patients. A lot of them that struggle with all these symptoms we're talking about, they also struggle with anxiety. And so we were talking, and Caitlin, you mentioned there's a book that kind of talks about this. What is that book called? Oh, yeah. There's a book called Headache in My Pelvis. And it talks about how we hold tension in our pelvic floor. And it talks about a lot of other stuff too. But the research has shown that we hold tension in our pelvic floor and unlike our upper traps. So like you might notice, oh, my shoulders are coming closer to my ears. You can't see your pelvic floor. And so a lot of people, A, don't have good awareness over that area because maybe our culture has told us not to think about that area, or maybe we've had a traumatic event. We don't have good connection to our pelvis. Um, so we don't feel we're holding tension and that can lead to a lot of dysfunction because the two like very simplified things that go on with the pelvic floor is that it's hypertonic, so tightness. So we're holding tension there and it's not going to do its job because if a muscle is in that shortened contraction, I always talk about it like with my bicep. If your bicep is bent up all the way and you kept it like that all day, and then I was like, okay, let's go do some bicep curls. A, our, our muscles wouldn't really function. They'd be tight. It would probably hurt. And then they wouldn't be able to even perform the action of curling a heavy weight because they're so tight and tired. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what happens with the pelvic floor. Um, and like you were talking about with like interstitial cystitis is there's so many other things that can go on in our abdominal cavity and everything is so closely related. And so it's so important that yes, we need to be seeing different providers too, even with pelvic floor, because we could be having something going on with our bladder that then leads to pelvic floor dysfunction. And maybe our bladder gets better, but our muscles are in this like vicious cycle of being on high alert. They're tight. They're not functioning properly. So then we keep having these same bladder symptoms, even though our bladder maybe now is like 
doing better. Mm-hmm. Or And that's just one example. But because it's all so closely related, when our nerves in that area get irritated, they will then affect our muscles and it will cause us pain and we won't be able to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, you were mentioning the athlete, and I think that's something, obviously, because we have the movement component here, and we really encourage heavy lifting and squats and all of that. Why do you think 80% of female athletes are impacted with pelvic floor dysfunction? I think one big thing is that when you're doing high-level stuff, you're really engaging your core a lot. And when you're lifting heavy weights, you're engaging your core a lot, which is what you need to do. But imagine if you're engaging it and you're never letting it go. So a lot of times people walk around and holding their core in, or we talked about holding our stress in our pelvic floor with elite athletes. A, no one's ever really educated them on their pelvic floor with their core muscles. So again, you don't have that awareness to think, oh, let me take some time to take some really deep breaths and actually lengthen my pelvic floor and the rest of my abdominal wall so that it actually gets full length. And so they keep it up tight. And when we're really doing high level stuff, if you've done ever like hit training or lifted heavy weights, you kind of have to get in the zone and you need to be like pushing it. And so when you're doing those things, your body is staying really tight and contracted. And if you don't intentionally let it go later, it's going to lead to dysfunction. And so with leakage specifically in the female athlete and even the male athlete, um, when you're having that leakage, it's not because their muscles are like not contracting. It's that they're contracted so much that when they are asked to perform their job, just like I I talked about with the bicep, they cannot do it and urine leaks out. Mm -hmm. So you increase. And also when we're lifting weights, we're increasing our intra-abdominal pressure. And a lot of times people don't know how to regulate that properly. And then when we have that, the weakest link is usually downward. So our pelvic floor, and that's what's going to suffer. Um, so. And I know one of the big things that you've taught me, like, especially through my pregnancies is the importance of breathing while working out. So talk about like, how should our listeners be breathing? Like, let's say they are somebody that does like to lift weight. What is a way to protect your pelvic floor when it comes to breathing? So it's really important to do everything gradually. And so first you need to learn how to do a proper diaphragmatic breath. You need to be able to inhale and expand in your abdominal wall, have the diaphragm come down so your lungs fill with air. When the diaphragm comes down, the pelvic floor should lengthen. So when I have people do diaphragmatic breathing, some visual that usually is helpful is if you can imagine your sit bones, so those bony parts of your pelvis that you're probably sitting on if you're sitting right now. When you inhale, you kind of feel them separate. When you exhale, you feel them a little bit come back together. That is making sure that you're getting that nice expansion so that it's lengthening to contract. So by doing that breath, you can actually start recruiting your core on the exhale. So it goes through a progression. When people are weaker, maybe you just had a baby or maybe you've had an injury and you need to re-educate your core, it's important to practice your breathing first, then start adding a load with the breathing. And then as you do it more, this kind of coordination should happen on its own. Um, and then it really depends as we get into lifting like much heavier weights, we need to train our pelvic floor differently. So if you're a power lifter, you're going to need to actually really recruit like high power, like big contraction. And you might even have to hold your breath, but you have to make sure your pelvic floor is ready for that load. What happens is we're not ready. We didn't build properly. And so that's when we have the problems. And then like, say you're like a long distance runner and you're running for a long time and you start noticing halfway through your run or at mile five, or if you start doing hills, you start leaking. That's just because your pelvic floor for running specifically is very endurance based. So you have to train your pelvic floor in your specific sport too just like you would any other muscle. And that's things that people aren't thinking about. 
And really even like simplifying all of that, what Caitlin always told me was exhale on exertion. Yeah. And so for the person that's not a power lifter and maybe has to hold their <laughs> breath, because that's not me, at least not in this season of my life. But that has been really helpful when I'm doing goblet squats, when I'm doing deadlifts, when I'm doing any exercises, exhaling on exertion, and you can feel the difference in your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And so that has been a key for me. And a question, well, and I also, one other thing that I just wanted to mention that we haven't talked about, I see a lot of hip pain and back pain that's referred pain from pelvic floor dysfunction. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to you know, some of those symptoms you may have, you may also have low back pain or you may have hip pain. And so really getting your pelvic floor evaluated, it may be connected to those things as well. And And when your core is not working properly, you're going to get more stress through your hips, more stress through your back. So it plays a huge role. Yeah, for sure. And then the other question I get asked all the time by my patients is like, when should I do pelvic floor, uh, physical therapy as it relates to pregnancy? And so answer that question. Do you think you should do it while you're pregnant, when you're postpartum? Like what is the best results that you see? So in an ideal world, every single person really should see a pelvic floor therapist just to get pure education about their core so that they can promote longevity with their, how they're moving and strength wise. But in the pregnant and postpartum population, I really find it so helpful to see a pelvic floor therapist one to two times while you're pregnant. First, early on in the pregnancy to make sure you're having good habits because your pelvic floor and your entire core is under more stress. You're holding the weight of the baby. If your pelvic floor is not in a great place, you might start leaking more even just during pregnancy. And if you're not stable, I see people all the time like having more back pain and hip pain, which those things happen even when you are strong, but seeing a pelvic floor therapist can help you decrease your risk for that. And then also making sure everything works good early on. And then at about 34, 35 weeks, again, revisiting, because it's important to talk about the pelvic floor's role in delivery, being able to relax the pelvic floor so that the uterus can contract and the baby can come out. A lot of times people don't have that awareness over their pelvic floor. So when they're giving birth, they don't even realize that their pelvic floor shouldn't be contracting because you're push. If your pelvic floor is contracting, like we talked about, it's sphincteric. So it like tightens up around your vaginal opening. How is the baby going to get out? So Mm -hmm. pelvic floor is really great. And we can talk through different positions where you might feel your pelvic floor relax better. That's what I do a lot with people. Um, So then those are the two times I really like to see people during pregnancy. And then after is so crucial. And I honestly get asked this a lot. Is it too late? It's never too late. In an ideal world, I would see you between two and four weeks, depending on how complicated your delivery was. Because early on, you can be doing stuff. You can be incorporating that breathing to re-educate the core. You can do gentle contractions. You're not stopping doing everything until your six-week checkup. You're still picking up your baby. You're still picking up the carrier. You're still doing laundry. You're moving around. So you need to be prepping your body for um, movement. And so it's really a disservice that our healthcare system has said, come in at six weeks only, and then you're clear to do everything without even getting a check. Because you probably, A, you didn't do anything for six weeks. You didn't do anything maybe even during the entire pregnancy because we have a very fear-based education on movement during pregnancy. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to get on a soapbox. But um, I'll just talk about this one research study that I find so crazy. They found that when you sneeze, your intra-abdominal pressure increases just as much as if you pick up a 35-pound barbell. So your postpartum you haven't done anything, you don't know, maybe you don't know about your pelvic floor or your core, you sneeze and you're getting just as much stress as lifting up a barbell. 
your doctor's not going to tell you never to sneeze. So why, <laughs> why not start getting prepared by seeing someone? So ideally I would see someone right away. And then depending on the person, if you're really active and you have great body awareness and you came in before, you might just need the steps and I just give you the programming and you're good to go. Um, some people need a little bit more hands-on depending on what was going on with their pregnancy and how they feel postpartum. But I honestly don't see people too regularly because pelvic floor is so much education and it's really me telling you what to do. Um, Caitlin is really good at what she does. We always joke that like, (laughs) I don't see her same clients coming in and then they're telling me how much better they're doing, Uh, which is kind of cool, especially, you know, being a cash pay practice or cash based practice. It's nice to know that you're not going to have to invest, you know, a whole year, twice a week coming in. Like it's very like targeted treatment, education, exercises to do at home. The other big thing that Kaylin taught me in my third trimester is the importance of perineal massage and that there is some data on perineal massage as it comes to decreasing your risk of tearing during birth. Uh, anything that you want to add to that, or is that something that you educate your patients on in the 30, like two yes. to 34 week appointment? Yes, yes, yes. 34 and on week appointment. I get asked a lot because there's a lot of people who are type A and want to do the best job if they should start doing it earlier. There's no need to do perineal massage earlier than 34, 35 weeks. Um, you're basically just helping to stretch the tissue. And if you're doing it right, it should feel like if you can imagine, I'm not going to put my hands in my mouth, but you put your hands into your mouth and you pull your lips apart until you feel that like tingly burning sensation, you should be doing it to that point and kind of working it out. Research has shown that you either do it for 10 minutes once a week or a few minutes, three to four times a week. Both of them have the same benefit. Um, So I usually help educate people on how to do that. And I think that's really cool because it's one of the only things that I know that's research-based to help prevent tearing and support labor. And just the other thing I want to add is, you know, some people choose C-section, some people, their labor doesn't go maybe according to their birth plan. And so my patient's like, well, I had a C-section. I don't need pelvic floor physical therapy. And that's a huge myth because like you still held a baby, you know, for nine to 10 months. And um, at the end of the day, what's most important is healthy you and healthy baby. And so- there is so much we can do from a pelvic floor standpoint, whether it was a C-section delivery or a vaginal birth. Yep. And then I wanted to end, we're trying to keep these, you know, short and quick. I know we could talk about these all this all day, but, um, what are, we already, already talked about breathing through exercise and some of the things we do through pregnancy and how it affects men and women and some of the symptoms to look for. But is there any other like small, quick tips to give somebody for what they could do at home to start protecting their pelvic floor today? Um, well, one thing that I feel like is really helpful because I hear this with almost everyone who comes in and I know we just talked about this before hopping on, but a lot of times people will leak when they laugh, cough, sneeze or anything like that. And so you can start practicing something called the neck. Even if you're not um, leaking, it's still good to see if your body is coordinated in this way. So what you do is you do a pelvic floor contraction before something that really increases your um, intra-abdominal pressure. So a pelvic floor contraction before sneezing or coughing. And in, in a perfect world, our body does that how it should. But again, if you've had a baby or if you've had any trauma or if you just aren't functioning well in those muscles, it usually does the opposite. It has that downward. So everyone now, um, you can even just practice doing a pelvic floor contraction right now. And no one should be able to tell you're doing it because you shouldn't recruit your glutes or quads or anything like that. But you want to imagine that you're drinking a smoothie through your vagina. Or if you're a male, you want to act like you're stopping the flow of urine. Um, Those are some good cues. And you want to do that right before you sneeze or cough. So you could even practice doing that. Like, are you able to contract it and hold it while you cough? I'm not going to cough into the mic because that could be uh, irritating to people's ears. (laughs) Um, But 
it, you'll might see that as soon as you cough, you kind of lose that. So that's kind of a cue. Okay. I need to strengthen my pelvic floor. Um, and we don't need to just sit and do Kegels all day. And yes, Kegels are a pelvic floor contraction. They're just named after the doctor that discovered them. People are very confused about that. Um, you can bring it into function. So it's important that we do our Kegels, but it's important we do bring it into the functions that we're doing. Um, exhale, contract the pelvic floor, stand up from a chair. You can add it in when you're stepping up. You can add it in with exercise like we talked about. Um, bringing in that diaphragmatic breath to make sure you're even getting the lengthening. If you if you can't feel if you're lifting your pelvic floor, then you odds are it's probably really tight. So maybe you need to focus more on diaphragmatic breathing. Um, on my Instagram page, uh, I'm at poised underscore PT. I give a lot of tips on A, are you breathing right with your pelvic floor? A, are you, or B, are you contracting your core properly? And I give that visual. So if you have questions after hearing this, you can check it out and, and really see a little bit more detail than we have time to go into. And Caitlin also does a free 15 minute consult. So if you are wondering if it may be your pelvic floor as it relates to your symptoms, or if you're a good candidate for Caitlin's services, like give us a call at Stop Wellness, text us at 404-254-5905. You can go onto our website under the book tab and book a free 15-minute consult uh, with Caitlin and kind of figure out how we could help you. Because I just think the there's so much hope in knowing that there's things we can do and not normalize these symptoms. So I'm sure like, as you're listening, one of these symptoms, whether it's hip pain, back pain, whether it's, you know, urinating when you cough or sneeze, or maybe you're dealing with pain with intercourse or having a hard time as a male, having an erection, whatever it may be, we can help and give us a call and we'd love to touch base with you. So thank you guys for tuning in and thank you, Caitlin, for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.